I'm Taylor. And I'm Josie. We're from Bittersweet Infamy on the 604 Podcast Network. Our beat is anything and everything infamous. These games teach a child to enjoy torture. Fight the real enemy. You got another thing coming, bitch? I'm still around. Call me now for your free tarot reading. Listen to Bittersweet Infamy at www.bittersweetinfamy.com. Or your podcast platform of choice. Stay Stay sweet. sweet. Hi, friends. I'm Katie. And I'm Olivia. And we are Podcast by Proxy, Canadian True Crime. Welcome. We're live. Wow, that was so, like peaceful for how early it is yeah it's really early that's that's where my energy's at right now we are live you're angelic in the morning i guess so i guess so yeah podcast by proxy in the morning here we are yeah the sun's rising so are we (laughs) the sun is rising and so are we (laughs) that is true uh yeah before we start though i have to just we have to just get through this quickly the submarine I knew you were going to say this, and I purposely didn't mention it beforehand, because I was like, I think the joke was that, you know, like, 30-year-old white women were, like, tracking this story more than anyone. We were. For a minute. We were. And it's true. Those memes where they're like, honey, did you see the submarine? Dude, I went to a strata meeting it. last week. I'm on the, the strata for our- Of course you uh, are. I think Good in, for you, though. You should. I think some people call it an HOA, like a homeowners association. Yeah, Anyways. we're in Canada. We're in Canada. It's a strata. Um, Anyway, I went to the meeting and it's all like people quite a bit older than me. And, you know, we're getting through the content of the meeting. And then, of course, and this is on Thursday, uh, no, Wednesday of last week. Uh, So prime submarine time. Right. So like we hadn't, we don't, we didn't know anything yet. We're all like counting down the minutes. Anyway, I'm like, so uh, how about that submarine though? (laughs) And everyone was like, like, oh my God, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like turkeys. Sub- submersible. Sorry. Let me. Uh, yeah. That's not a submarine. Let me correct myself. No. Uh, so I found out the difference between a submersible and a submarine is that a submarine is like fully operational from inside. It's from the surface. The too. vessel. Whereas a yes. submersible is it always has like a host boat or like a helper yeah. boat that's up on the service controlling them helping them out anyway um imagine a submersible is like a glorified scuba diver you still have a boat up on the surface with like people knowing roughly where you are it gripped the world um and then of course on thursday we found out that we had all been holding our breaths for literally no reason because it had combusted on Monday. I think your breath might not have been the right term on that one. But well, you know what I'm saying. Whoopsies. We're all like counting down the amount of air that they had left and they had absolutely no air. Which um but nightmare inducing. Knowing how much air you have. I I'll be honest, when it first happened, I was like, the thing imploded. I called it like immediately. My mom texted me the second she found out and she was like, Well, I think you're right, the thing might have imploded. I was like Good. And I only say that because if it was me, I would want to die instantaneously. Yeah. I don't want to count down my oxygen. No. I don't care who says otherwise. 
I don't care if there's a 2% chance I'm rescued in that last 20 not, hours. Not in that with that many hours and in a situation like that where they were going to the bathroom in like a bucket. Like, absolutely not. So, no, I oh, agree. Oh, yeah, with a privacy curtain. I agree that going quick was the best way if it was going to yeah. happen. If it had to happen. I, I was going to say, I mean, having a safe journey would have been the best outcome. So, you know, our hearts go out to all their families um, yeah. because five people did die. And I know a lot of people have been saying that they deserved it, which I think they is did not. awful. And check yourself. Um, nobody on that on that vessel deserved to die. So, yeah. Did you see all the criticism that guy was getting, though, for posting that thing saying, like, my family would want me to be here because uh, music gets me through a tough time. And he was like, the sun was like at the Blink-182. Uh, actually, I, I listened. I don't mean to laugh, but it was just. No, you should. It though. was the quote that was like, "No, you my family laugh. would want me to be here. They know music gets me through a hard time." It's like, but they're actively just missing right now. Like, yeah, you should be with your family. I don't kind of know. Like- so I listened to True Crime and Cocktails did a like thirty minute episode on this last week, um, and I really only thirty. En- I could talk about this for hours. Yeah, and I actually really enjoyed it. And it was before we found out that the vessel had combusted. So, like, if you do choose to listen to it, keep that in mind that it it was, like, pre-information. Like, Um, it was missing at the moment. Exactly. TBD. However, they kind of dove a little bit deeper into that stepson because he's the stepson of the billionaire that was on the vessel the billionaire explorer that had like gone to space and things like that i think his name was hamish um they deep dove a little bit into his just kind of like your use of words on this while you're they deep dove deep doved um no and his like social media posts like a little bit further than just that one twitter post and i don't know if there's maybe some develop i don't know if there's something there because it seemed like maybe there was just the behavior was a little bit strange is all i'm saying and so i don't i don't know but maybe listen to that for more information on that stepson i believe his name was brian there was some stuff and yeah yeah um anyway the submersible gripped my life last week it was like the the distraction from my regular life that i really needed um and I think we can all say... Mostly the Twitter memes. A, it's off the coast of Canada, so it had yes. to kind of grip our news and our attention. Also, we were the Titanic generation. We grew up watching Titanic. Mm-hmm. So I think these were all, like, very catchy words to us in news headlines, too. Yeah, I don't usually get that, like, gripped by news things. I, I really don't. Um, but this one, for some reason, I just couldn't stop staring at it. So... Well, let's wait and see what the Canadian investigation brings back because we've now launched our own official investigation of the vessel, the procedure, the protocols. But everybody out there, just take this as a cautionary tale. If you're signing a contract and death is mentioned throughout it constantly, you're signing your literal life away, like just take a beat and think about it. And another cautionary tale, you can watch the Titanic wreckage site on YouTube. Two hours. And you don't even get to see it through a window in this submersive. It's through a screen. Go on your phone, sit on your couch, get a snack. We don't have to bug the ocean. Google Titanic documentary. Anyway, uh, enter. 
I just I had to bring it up because me, you, and probably every other single person listening to this uh, had this every on their mind to last 40 week. year old white woman was invested and, in this story. Right. It's like, what did we do over the last week? We were just invested in the submersible. So. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. It definitely took up more of my time than it should. Oh, yeah. More than I'm willing to admit. Without a doubt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The memes on Twitter, though, I feel like I'm going straight to somewhere uh, for how... Oh, for sure. For, like, yeah. I'm not liking or sharing, but just the fact that I'm even looking at them and getting, like, a little... I'm not liking or sharing, but I've chuckled, and it's bad. I have... Yeah. There's been more than one chuckle. Yeah. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move through. I also think I've realized that on a quick side note, and for anyone out there, this might benefit, well, not benefit, might imply to you guys. I really have found that I love getting pens from different places. Like, cause I'm like, I'm like very picky about pens that I yeah, use. I get it. I'm like very picky. I'm also picky about certain words can't be written with capital letters in them because I don't like the way they look. But um, this one is from Tulalip Casino. One of my coworkers gave it to me, and it's like my favorite pen. So now I just want a PO box so people can send me pens from all over the world. We've been talking about getting a PO box for a while because we've had a few people ask if we have one. So maybe that's something it's we'll have to. It's on my list actually. We'll today. set that up soon. Yeah. I have to go to the drugstore today on my way home from work after because I'm going to work for a little bit after this, and a PO box is in that drugstore, and I'm going to get the prices. There you go. You heard it here first, folks. today, I have the case that I mentioned a few weeks ago Mm. that was going to be a case suggestion. And although the lovely person, he, she, they, them, whatever you'd like to go by, uh, did not specify that I could say their name. However, their name is not too outlandish or unusual, so I'm just going to go, thanks, Jen, for... The case suggestion. Yep. I think this was a safe one. You know, your name's not like Blue Moon Lagoon and you're going to know exactly who you are. So why is everything about water and lagoons now? Just is. It's on the noggin. Ugh. I've never felt better about my decision to just respect the ocean from afar. Oh, and <laughs> let me put it that way. Anybody that knows me, I grew up spending so much of my time on the ocean. Mm hmm. Without we a grew doubt. up beside the but ocean. I we're very have versed said, in it. I have a healthy respect for it. I don't mm-hmm. need to be in it more than safely allowed. I think I should respect it because it's bigger and badder than I will ever be. Mm-hmm. And that's just an entity. It's like space. The ocean and space, we don't know enough about, and I shouldn't be in either of them that far. I would sooner go to space than the bottom of the ocean. A hundred percent. If the options were you, we can send you to space or you can go to the bottom of the deep blue sea, I would be straight to Mars. I think the ocean sounds scarier, but I have an irrational fear of a motor dying and dropping from a really high place. Fair. So I think I'm equally as scared of both. I'm going straight to the moon. If the options presented the and those are my choices, I'm going to the moon. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll anyway. be in the bottom of the ocean, you'll be in the moon, and we'll have to get some fancy walkie-talkies so we can still communicate with one <laughs> another. <laughs> Today is, I'm just going to put a blanket trigger warning on this case. There is some brutality and child murder. There is some talk of child sexual assault. 
So I am just putting it out there because in the spine of my notes, there was a few spots where I put like TW with some stars to make sure. But after really thinking about it, I'm just going to put a blanket warning on this because these this case is so sad. Yeah. And we talk about it a few times throughout. So I'm just going to put the blanket statement. But as we always do, I will not go into any graphic detail. I have purposely left it as such. So we'll go from there. So on December 13th, 1985, Tom May and Linda Hamilton were vacationing in Seashell, B.C. with their daughter, and her name is Genoa. Oh. Like the bay. I like that. And she goes by Jenny. Cute. Like G-E-N-N-I. Okay. And I think it's just adorable. She's so, oh, so cute. You said like the bay, and I was thinking like the salami, but... Which is funny because you're a vegetarian. I know. Shows where your brain goes. I do love me some good Genoa salami, though. It's one of my faves. My very first job was at Subway, so. Oh, you know your salami. I know my salamis. (laughs) She knows her meats, people. Yeah. So Seashell is located on the beautiful Sunshine Coast, about 50 kilometers northwest of Vancouver, on the Isthmus Narrow Strip. And it's a strip of land that bridges, essentially, the Seashell Peninsula and, like, the mainland. So Seashell kind of, like, connects the two with, like, this little land bridge. Okay. Super cute. It's super cool. Um, in 2016, they had a population of 10,200. And they are best known for being an oceanfront city with cider houses, breweries, cafes, and restaurants. I've never been to Seashell, but I have always wanted to go there. Neither have I, and same, because yeah. every time I see the pictures in passing or I see it on, like, a map to somewhere, I'm like, that place looks beautiful. It looks and stunning. Kind mm-hmm. of underrated. Yep. We have a friend from the Sunshine Coast, and I'm going to message him after and be like, what's it like? Worth a trip? <laughs> Question Take a mark? pick. Well, you can access, like, the Sunshine Coast by, like, a 40-minute ferry, like a BC Ferries ferry out of, I believe, Langdale okay. to the Sunshine Coast. So, yeah. like, we could always toodle over one day and take a little look-see. We could toodle. Yeah, I know. Another ferry. Shocker. The island girls are talking about a ferry. <laughs> Everywhere we go, we have to take a ferry. Want to go somewhere? Where's your boat? I mean, unless it's on this island, but... Yeah. Even then... <laughs> Like, if we want a vacation at all, it always starts with a ferry ride. Unless you're flying right off the island, you have to account for another four hours of travel to get to the ferry, on the ferry, and drive home from the ferry. And, like, flying off the island is just flying you to a destination, like, to the on the mainland, and then to your destination. It's like you're paying for a flight off the island or a ferry boat. Either way, you have to account for extra travel to live on our little island, is all we're saying. Yep. (laughs) The territory resides the indigenous people of the Shishal Nation, and in 1970, all the elders of the area decided to put forth a strong emphasis to bring back the language, and it's called the Shishalhem language, aka the Seashell language, they call it. So, like, for, you know, white folks like us who can't say that all the time, they will say it's the Seashell language, and it's, like, known that it kind of sounds like the indigenous language is more well-known than the English language in some ways there, and I love that. Yeah, that's cool. I don't think a lot of people here know that, like, Halkaminam is spoken between our indigenous tribes locally. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people know about their languages. 
So Jenny and her parents have an adjoining room in a hotel. So motel room, a door in between, so that Jenny has like her own little room to sleep in so her parents can put her to bed and then stay in their half of the room. So they're essentially just on like adjoining rooms with beds like on the opposing sides of the wall. Still super safe. I'm sure we've all been there. Or someone's, you know, stayed somewhere with their siblings and your parents put you guys in one room and your parents are in the other with the door that connects the two. We always traveled with my grandma and me and my grandma always put in, got put in our own room because we were the (laughs) ones that slept in and everyone else got up early. We would like go to Disneyland and me and grandma would get the like adjoining room because we wanted to sleep. You guys would get the sleeper room. Yep. (laughs) I love that for you. At least your parents were like... Let's put those two together. It makes sense. They weren't like, let's just wake them both up early. (laughs) So as we said, the plan was that after three-year-old Jenny went to bed, her parents would be able to then like close the door over and be able to have their own adult time, hang out, have a few drinks, enjoy their vacation themselves as well. Totally acceptable thing to do. Honestly, kind of smart getting two right? rooms that are joined so that you, so you don't can, like, just sit there quietly. Put your kid to bed in one room and then hang out. I in have the other. definitely gone to visit my dad and my stepmom when my little brother was really young, and we were in a hotel and we literally had to sit and like talk quietly. No, oh, yeah, you'd have he to was like already whisper because it's tiny yeah. We went and, for dinner. Yeah, you wouldn't have a room. Yep, just the way it was. It was Makes awkward. Sense. Yeah. Um. So they put Jenny to bed. They go over to their side. They're hanging out. The night seems as usual. However, this night, though, it's December, it's freezing cold, and Jenny was actually abducted from her hotel room while her parents sit in the next room over, sleeping. Well, not not sitting. They lay in the next room, sleeping, only two meters apart from her, through a wall. Jeez. Yeah. It's ridiculous. The morning of December 14th, and again, I'm just going to emphasize here is where one of the trigger warnings comes in. While the community is looking for Jenny already, they find her small, lifeless body on a logging road just outside of town. She'd been sexually assaulted and murdered. A short while after Jenny is found, a caller provides a tip to authorities that a friend of his, Darren Kelly, believes that he could be the suspect in this. He fits the bill based on recent conversations he's overheard and things that Darren's been doing, saying, and acting like. He provides his name, details, and why he thinks so. A week later, police find Darren, arrest him, and he almost immediately confesses to the murder and rape of Jenny. So his trial is set to start in April of 86. Um, obviously he pled guilty, so he has essentially a plea hearing instead. This is where he goes over the terms of his first degree murder charge that's being handed down. He's given no parole for 25 years. During his guilty plea hearing, uh, testimonies were given by authorities and local psychologists and one psycho or psychologist said that based on what he had read over from the police reports and case files of this man, um, that he is literally one of the most dangerous psychopaths he's ever met. Oh, shit. Yeah, and when I first read that, I was like, whoa, like, and, and this isn't to sound like downplaying or callous, but over one attack, he you can justifiably say that? Like, that right. seems so crazy. Like, so I was like, there's got to be more to this. So, 
Jenny's dad, uh, Tom, he feared that while this person was in prison because he was so smart and so manipulative based on what the psychologists have said, they worried that he would essentially be grooming himself for re-release so that he could convince the community that he was a better person, which is totally valid in a psychopath. Like, if they can read a room, manipulate themselves to situations, mimic other people's characteristics and emotions, he could totally gain the trust of the law system the parole board even saying like this is what i've done this is how i've changed and then he could walk out of there and be well in tom's words he'll be more dangerous at 45 than he ever would have been at 19 right he's also sitting in there talking to other criminals gaining advice essentially Mm -hmm. um tom was saying you know 25 years is gonna pass but somehow suddenly there it is because Darren actually fulfilled his 25 years, keeping quiet, no word. He fulfilled his sentence. So Tom is now being hit with this letter that he's received from the parole board saying like, hey, just so you know, your 25 years is just about come to an end. And in late October of 2010, he actually is sent a letter saying that Darren is technically eligible for parole as of right now. And 25 years has come and gone. So family from all over North America comes together to attend the hearing and express the danger that they feel this Darren person is, and they express why they feel he should not be allowed back in the community and the risks he poses to other small children. Once Darren heard all of the information that was going to be held against him and was getting prepared for his parole hearing, he realized he was really just not ready for that parole hearing and actually declined his first offer um, to apply for full release. Yeah, I have a feeling, I hope that this is one of those circumstances where the lawyer goes like, dude, you haven't done enough to get out. Yeah, maybe. And he goes, maybe. okay, well, let me try next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and participate it seems in like, a program or something. Yeah, like, there was no record that he had done anything to better himself during the time he was in there. Right. It seemed like he just sat there and was like, okay, my time's up, let's go. Right. Whatever, like, fuck you, buddy. when the may hamilton family was told um on a late on a tuesday evening during the week that this trial hearing was supposed to be happening that he had forfeited his chance to have a hearing um they kind of breathed like a sigh of relief but tom was also just like he's been hesitant about every step along the way so anytime something happens he like the family seems to sigh like a breath of relief but Tom's still, like, waiting for the other shoe to drop, it seems. Like, his parents mm. are... Her parents are very on top of still finding justice, regardless of how long it's been. So, as Tom worried, he only got relief for the one night. He found out the next morning that there was an opportunity and a chance that Darren would be able to get full day release and be able to have unsupervised release from the facility within six months of declining his parole here. Within five months, he'd be eligible to apply for unescorted release from the prison during the day and be given extra privileges. So, May and Hamilton, the parents, they recognize that they now have approximately five months to either find an appropriate appeal approach for this hearing coming up or to have the law changed, essentially. That's literally what her dad says. Like, I got two options. (laughs) Sitting and crying isn't going to do me anything. Like, I just need to fight. And that's totally the stance her family has taken since day one. 
Um, her family also has the fear that they know if they don't do anything, they could be going through this every couple months because they'll yeah. alternate between parole hearings and escorted releases and other small hearings. So they could be going and having to discuss Darren every couple months, if not for sure, every couple years. And they just can't imagine putting their family through that turmoil. Yeah, good for them. They're a strong-ass family. So they say they're on a roller coaster and they cannot get off of it until either the parole or the life sentence laws are changed. Shit. Yeah. You're going to be on that roller coaster a while. Yeah, no kidding. And they have been. So shedding many tears while explaining the weight he feels to protect the community from a dangerous offender because the legal system will do nothing to keep Darren behind bars. It is not a priority to them. He feels that he carries the burden of protecting every child in his community at this point because he knows if this man gets out, he will hurt someone again. Like the guy's like, it's not a question of if. He will. Both parents, 25 years later, to this day, are still only getting about two hours of sleep at a time. They're going through hell and back, reliving the tragic loss of their three-year-old, day in, day out, having to deal with this. And Tom specifically emphasized that a lot of his stress was over a stipulation that the parole board had allowed for criminals, and that is that they are allowed to rebook change or cancel their parole hearing up until the start time of the appointment Mm -hmm. so families could be physically on site ready for the hearing and 15 minutes before the guy could cancel right and just be like i don't want to do my hearing today yeah and it's not like like it's taken away it's okay well when would you rather do it let's rebook so ridiculous to me fuck that so same thing we always talk about tom's like why is everything at the criminal's leisure rather than making sure that oh he can't make it then he waives the right to it then he waits the next five or ten years yeah two years yeah i agree with that and that's all he wanted that was like his that factor was like the biggest piece to him is like you are jerking our fucking family around you essentially Mm -hmm. tell us where to be when to be there and what torture we're going to be put through yeah in 2008, Tom reached out to the Corrections Canada, um, like, registry, as he does frequently, to get updates on where Darren is, what he's doing. He is shocked to find that there's no one with the name Darren Kelly listed as an incarcerated inmate within our systems. Wouldn't he have had to have been informed if he was released on parole? So the reason he wasn't informed is because Darren Kelly just changed his name legally (sighs) he was given a legal name change to ryan scott brady so (laughs) this name change it's funny because when i was looking through even though it was like six seven years earlier it was actually given as an example in a house of commons report saying that like here's a perfect example of a highly dangerous person that we let change their name with the hope and expectation that he was going to be able to re-release in the community and fly under the radar and not be known by anyone and possibly re-offend. Yeah, why do we allow name changes for people who are incarcerated? We will get to it a little bit. And not why, but like this created like a big conversation. Because, yeah, Kelly Ellard, right? She changed her name. The frustrating part is there was a bill that got brought forth because of this case. And this one guy was like, this 
like in the House of Commons report, this like Randy White guy was like, why are we letting them do this? Like he was totally agreeing and fighting. And the bill, when I look it up now, it's not active. Yeah, it's and it is preventing high high risk, dangerous offenders from changing their name and gaining anonymity while in the criminal justice system so that upon release, they get released into the community and they just look like someone new. And he specifically used the example that this is like a stalker's dream. Mm -hmm. They go to jail. They hide out for a bit. They change their identity entirely. They get out with new passports, IDs, credit cards, everything. They start a whole new life and start stalking again. Well, and you'd have no criminal history, would you? I mean, it would be legally in there that you'd go by both names. Technically, like, yeah. It, if you're it printed would be an or alias something. on your file is your old name. Yeah, yeah. But to the outside community, he's just a new guy to town. If you, Imagine being in prison for 25 years in a small town. You come out, you look a little different. You got some, like, you've aged a ton. Because mm. keep in mind, he went in when he was, like, 20 years old. Well, like, you could move. We know yeah, how well. you could just get out and um, be like, hey, I'm Ryan all of a sudden, and he's just the new guy in town. Yeah. Oh, God. <clears throat> but, yeah, essentially, it was Bill C-240, um, and it was giving, it was banning certain offenders, only certain ones, from allowing name changes on violent offenses or violent sexual offenses, which okay. agree with. Yeah, I'm super down. Um, but as I said, when I looked it up later, it's showing as uh, not presently active. So the bill was not enacted fully. It looks like it did not get fully approved. However, because of this, there is further review of people changing their name in our criminal justice system. There's just nothing saying people can't do it, which fucking sucks. It does seem wild when you really think about it. Yeah. Like, how come people can just like walk out of there and start a new life? I mean, I guess they could walk out of there and then change their name anyways. And like you said, like, I just you're still attached to that old identity, technically, in the yeah. criminal justice sense, just not. But you're right, though. It's though like to like, everybody else, it, it's a safety concern for the community yeah. to not know who this person is if they're dangerous. And not because, you know, like people go on dates and it's really common with online dating nowadays that you look up the name of the person that you're going to go on a date with for safety concerns. Let's say in the case of you brought up stalking, um, I listen to the Strictly Stalking podcast and Mm -hmm. they talk about it all the time or people will talk about I, you know, do criminal record searches on people that I go on dates with now because of this situation that happened to me. Um, or, you know, I will do a little googly search and if... Well, unfortunately, this was a big case. So, yeah, if you search his name, it comes up. But what if it wasn't this extreme, mm-hmm. but still dangerous? You yeah. have no idea. Yeah. And it comes up now, but it might not have, like, right at the time. Oh, no. Not at all. And, like, and it, all the and... articles that link these two start as of, like, 2008 and later, whereas all these crimes happened in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, I just think there is definitely argument for, like, a conversation about it. Because while, sure, that name can be traced back to your original identity, and like, it, you're not going completely under the radar, anonymous, whatever, um, there is a community safety argument in there. Oh, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. 
I also just realized I've been talking so fast. This is not going to be a very long case because it's local. There's not much information. I'm fine with it. But I was just yeah. like looking at my notes and I'm like, oh, well, that's all right. That's okay. Here's where we get to all the... So for the record, I had to delay because I found a whole new like wealth of articles. And part of it was because of this fucking name change. Right. And a lot of the things that we're about to talk about... Um, there's no charges laid, so these are speculations based on this other information I'm about to go over. Another trigger warning. But it is important to note that I literally had to go and do a second round of research on a different name. And it just right. goes to show it was difficult for me, who has no danger or risk in this scenario, mm -hmm. to put all the pieces together and find out what this guy could have potentially been possible of. Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine just a young girl in the community going on a date with this guy. Sure. Doing an in-depth search. Yeah. So, part of what we did not hear about pr during the original trial, um, because there was no for sure information and there was no charges laid against it, is that there is some debate... And it is brought to light that the authorities believe that Darren also, six months before this, killed a two-year-old named Aaron Kaplan in Point Grey, Vancouver. Yeah. Oh, my so, God. This is why everyone at the time was saying he's such a risk, he's such a risk, and he's so dangerous, and he's this, like, sadist. Right. Because there was these other attacks, but because there was no proof and no charges laid, they weren't allowed to necessarily connect them or give them as an example. Right. They weren't allowed to use it in court. Yeah. The courtroom was not a place for this. But again, this is why people in the courtroom said this. And like the defense and prosecution and everything were all in the loop of this. Right. And the evidence for the Aaron Kaplan case was limited. So when the defense lawyer... Um, was approached by, like, the prosecution, and they said, like, we know that he did this, too. We're willing to work out a deal, but we need, like, some evidence, or we need to get this. The defense says, my client will confess to Aaron's murder and give you the information, but only if you'll give him also 25 years for that, but let them run concurrent so that after 25 years, he can be out of prison. Obviously, the court system believed that keeping him for sure on a solid 25-year case and potentially not giving him parole was safer than trying to bring in a case with limited evidence that could actually skew their overall case that they're doing because um, it could create, like, a lack of evidence or it could sound like they don't know what they're talking about because Aaron's case does not have the same solid evidence. Right. In the courtroom, this is again where the same psychologist, 25 years later, has now come up and said, I'm very aware of all of his files. He is completely a sexual deviant and he is super rare to, like, the world because he doesn't have a gender preference. He has now killed and assaulted a young boy and a young girl it's also proven that he frequently took place, uh, like, with sex workers. And right. it didn't matter if they were young women or young gay men. He had no preference. But he gears towards the younger side. It seems like in his attack so far, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Do we know what kind of evidence they had? Not in the kids' cases. They wouldn't release anything. They didn't release it. Right. No. Um, All we know is that... And again, I was going to say it in like two seconds anyway, and this is the biggest trigger warning possible. Mm -hmm. Aaron was bludgeoned to death with a 40-pound piece of concrete. Oh, holy shit. After being sexually assaulted. And he's two years old. That's vile. Yeah. So he is abducting, sexually assaulting, and violently murdering babies. Babies. Toddlers. Like, I'm sorry, but a two-year-old in my head is a baby. I went to a barbecue last night, and there was a two-year-old, and it just put in perspective that, like, wow, you two-year-olds are, like, wobbly walkers still. They're, like, little drunk humans. Like, that's not even a child. So innocent. That's just straight up a baby. Yeah. That's fucked. Yeah. What a monster. I have, like, no other words for it. That's, yeah. Yeah. There's also suspicion, though, and this is where I personally think that Darren could be a serial killer. Oh, wow. Is because there's also suspicion that Darren also took part in murdering 21-year-old Kim Stolberg at her dad's office one night in Richmond, B.C. It was located on River Road. She worked for her family business as a receptionist. Um, She's described as, like, quiet, blue eyes, loved horses close with her family. She was staying at the office late because she lived at home with her parents and she was trying to plan them a 25th anniversary, 25th anniversary party. Adorable. So she stayed there so she could like use the phone without them noticing. Cause you know, this was the eighties Yeah. when there was no cell phones. You're on a landline, like in the That's kitchen. Adorable. Yeah. So she needed to like call like, her sibling, I think, and, like, local businesses and, like, plan it. So she was like, I'll just stay at the store or at the office and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, partway through talking to her sister, though, she's like, hold on, someone's knocking on the door. And she answers. So she hears her, like, set down the phone and go answer the door. She doesn't hear anything else, and she just never comes back from the phone, to the phone. Yeah, her, she's like, hold on, sis. And just, oh like, sets down the phone. God. And we've all done that. Like, we've heard someone, like, you can hear them, like, take their steps, open the door and be like, hey, how's it going? Oh, thanks. And it's just like a package. But imagine just they never come back. Horrifying. Horrifying. So around the same time of of these two attacks, like Kim and Aaron's attacks, there's also another one that takes place at 5389 Willingdon Street in Burnaby of a young woman named Colleen Shook. She's, like, walking home from the bar at 3 a.m. And a man grabs her and pulls her into someone's yard and attacks her. Oh. Um, a 19-year-old named Jason Ells was the person who was home. Um, he says that she ended up being attacked and murdered right outside his bedroom window after being tra- dragged from the roadside. He actually paused his movie because he lives on a busy intersection. So at 3 a.m., like, it's common to hear, like, cats fighting, dumb, like, people dicking around. Like, just. It's common to hear the 3 a.m. We know what they're talking (laughs) about. Yeah, it's like, I imagine it like he lives downtown Victoria at 3 a.m. and there's just drunk people on the streets. Like, it's nothing weird. (laughs) So, but he says, like, something caught his ear because it sounded like 
almost like animals fighting. Like there was like a loud pitch noise all of a sudden. So he like paused his movie he was watching, which weirdly enough, he was watching a movie called An Act of Violence, apparently. Okay, that's And he creepy. like hears this brutal attack right outside his house. And so he like opens his window, he pauses his movie, opens his blinds, and it's like pitch black and the noise has stopped so he doesn't see anything. Um, but he just like goes back to bed, watches his movie. It's 3 a.m. Doesn't think anything of it. I think it's funny that he paused his movie for a cat fight. I mean, I probably would, too. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I just picture him, too, being like... Just going and check out the, and cat, like around, be like, the cat beef. Oh, there's no cats. <laughs> hey, I've heard raccoons fight, and it's bad. Is it? I've never heard yeah, that. Yeah, they get really loud. Or, like, deer, they, like, smash their antlers together outside your... Oh, my God, it's they so loud. They don't fight in my yard. They're too busy eating my plants. And my garbage. Bastards. Mm-hmm. So as we said, it's a loud neighborhood. Not that shocking. He goes back to bed. Colleen was described as a 24-year-old legal secretary who lived at home with her twin sister and her parents still. She was 5'4", and in a Vancouver Sun article, her mom described her as fiery and strong. And that's probably what got her killed. Because she would have fought back. So Colleen was found, as we said, pulled into this yard below the window ledge of this young man. She was low, She was seen as a 37-year-old woman was out doing her newspaper route. She was partially clothed, suffering multiple stab wounds and sexual assault. There were no weapons found nearby, but Sergeant Easton believed that there was only one person that performed this attack. They do not believe there's multiple suspects in terms of fear on the community. Um, And they very quickly, though, also note that for Colleen specifically, she has been also linked to another, I believe, Vancouver serial killer that I had never heard about before called the Abbotsford Killer. Okay. His name is Terry Driver. And there is a possibility that both the two young women, like Kim and Colleen, could be victims of either man. Um, They just don't know. Yeah, they have no idea still. Um, But Terry Driver is a very likely suspect for these two. And... I mean, it would be nice to know that we don't have a victim or a criminal in jail that has no preference in victims. Like, at least if the two older women are victims of Terry Driver, it isolates their M.O.s a little bit for, like, treatment and prison sentences and yeah. court proceedings. Not that it makes it any better. I was going to say, not that not that I'm ever going to be like, oh, yeah, he's only killing kids. Oh, good. He only likes children. Um... Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, that is, it is terrifying to think about somebody having absolutely no preference in age, gender, or anything. Similar no. to Richard Ramirez, for any Netflix documentary lovers, that was really similar to him. Yeah, it's he a really product of no, convenience. Yeah, it was a convenient kill, it wasn't, there's yeah. no preference. Ugh. I mean, it's just it all is. awful. Well, I mean, I am just about done here, but to end on maybe like a bit lighter note, which I thought was very sweet, according to 
not notopedia. It's it's nauticalpedia. Sorry, okay. Noctopedia. Nauticalpedia. It's, it's a tough one to try to say. Got it. In 1987, a tugboat was put on the water named the Jenny Bay instead of the Jenny May. Adorable. And when you look at the listing on Noctopedia, <laughs> under significance of name, it is noted that this boat was named for Jenny, the daughter of Tom and Linda. And as of 2019, the Jenny Bay is living in Bowen Island. <laughs> that's adorable. I love that. The Jenny Bay. Well, that's an awful story. Yeah, but Terrible. it was like, I thought I was close to done, and then I found Kim. Then I thought I was close to done, and I found Colleen, and it's just... Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah, and it's like, one of those cases we just don't have that much information about because of the age and the plea deal, and but it's wild to think about well, unfortunately, these, all these other victims. Three of the four we talk about aren't solved. Yeah. Everything is theories at this point for yeah. those cases. Mm-hmm. Well, but hopefully. I think the idea that someone has the ability in them to hurt or murder a, a toddler or child is it's just horrifying. Something we'll never understand. No. And it's just disgusting in my eyes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like it's unforgivable. It's awful. Yeah. It's. It doesn't make any sense to me. Not that any murder makes sense to me, but a child, I just don't, I don't get it at all. Also, like, and hear me out here because it's going to sound weird at first, like, he's also going out of his way to have to increase risk to abduct these children. These aren't children that are outside playing. Yeah. Or that he's just coming across. Like... He's taking very high risk to also abduct these children. Do we know how he abducted her from the hotel room? So I saw no sign of forced entry on the hotel. I think it was like maybe a window unlocked and he was just able to access it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get... Again, there's very little detail about all these cases. A lot of them are just very blanket like... They were in seashell. She was abducted. She was found murdered. End of story. Yeah, we don't have any information about, like, if they woke up and the window was open and... Nothing. Yeah, just kind of, like, she was reported missing. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And unfortunately, in my eyes, I would assume, and again, it's my assumption, that it was something like a window or something, because otherwise I feel like there would have been mention of forced entry for people to be very careful moving forward about, like, staying in hotels or being home alone, and there wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah. Thanks, Jen. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, it is, it's common with these cases, especially the the more local ones and like the small towns around here, um, that there's just no information about them. My friend actually just told me about a, like an unsolved case linked to her family. And she doesn't even know a lot of information about it because her family members have been so like hush hush and it's so like hard to talk about. And so she doesn't even really have that much information. And so she was kind of telling me and I was going on my own personal little deep dive and I really couldn't find anything. Um, but yeah, it's just some some of these cases just don't get. Well, and like Jen, who suggested this case, I think her suggestion was even like, hey, I remember hearing about this case and then nothing about it. Like, and I just kind of want to know what came of it. And it's like, well, you didn't really hear anything because 
other than like the Vancouver Sun and a local Seashell newspaper, I had to dive through like Facebook posts and right. random shit to get a lot of this information. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was a lot, but not a lot at the same time. Because yeah. every article is the exact same. Unfortunately. Yeah. But that's my case. Well, that's a very sad case, but at least we have the information about this man because you never know. He might get released one day. If if he does, we he... will include it in an update. Um, hope not. Yeah. Really hope not. But um, And let's not let him change his name again. Let's not give him any more anonymity. Let's just... No. This guy potentially raped and murdered two children. Mm-hmm. One for sure, possibly two, and possibly two young women. Keep yeah. him the fart away from everybody. Literally so far. Um. Well, since we have a little bit of time, I actually do have... <gasps> I started... Something for look- me? I started looking into an unsolved case, and then I realized there's just... There is also no information about it because the police haven't really released anything. So I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I can do a whole case on this. Could I maybe do like a couple of unsolved ones like this in one episode? I'm not sure. But since we have time, I, I thought that I would just mention it because there is like a reward out for information. Um, and it's considered an unsolved homicide. I would also love everyone's opinion because we frequently have cases that are worth mentioning and are very important, but there's probably only 15 minutes of information on them or 10 even. Yeah. Would you ever be inclined to hear like, like a foursome current case or like us creating kind of like a crash course? Cause maybe we each bring two 15 minute episodes and it's just talking about four cases or Mm -hmm. two cases. In current events, because I would like to do that. Yeah. So many times I start a case and I spend a day researching it and then go, this isn't enough. Yep. And that All feels shitty because it's so valuable still. And I'm like, mm-hmm. mm. yeah. So, so I would let I us mean, know if you'd like that. I would really like to do that. Um, or maybe one each, even half an yeah. hour. Essentially, uh, we are looking at Windsor, Ontario. There's a $5,000 reward out for information that uh, leads to the arrest or whoever was involved in the murder of Geraldine Butterfield. Um, So Geraldine Butterfield, basically police have said that they have a person of interest in the case, but there's been no arrest made and really no information made since then. Um, Geraldine Butterfield lived at 591 Wellington Avenue in Windsor, Ontario. Um, all of the information that I can find says that she kept to herself. She was found dead in her Wellington Avenue apartment in May of 2019. Um, there's just not that much information because it says like, she lived alone. She only allowed very few immediate family members to visit her. Um, she wasn't in contact with a lot of people. So lived kind of reclusively in a way. Yeah. So people are basically saying like anyone seen with her attempting to contact her or leaving her apartment in late May of 2019 would be considered suspicious. This was thought to occur- have occurred around May 28th 
of 2019. Um, Detective Joe Fadul said Miss Butterfield was a quiet lady. She kept to herself. She was well-liked within the building. As for people coming and going, friends and family were the only people that she ever allowed into her apartment. So other than her close friends and family, if somebody had seen her with somebody they don't recognize, we urge them to contact the major crimes unit. Um, so yeah, the address is 591 Wellington Avenue. It's an apartment building where she was found. Um... You know, that's so weird. What? Wait, what's the address? 591 Wellington Avenue. Whoa, the one of the cases in mine that I just told was on 5389 Willington, Willingdon. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so um, the death of, of um, Geraldine Butterfield was reported by her neighbor, Jade Jonkus. She said, I called at 7.30 p.m. when I noticed a smell coming from her window. Oh, no. I was right? worried you were going to say a smell when it was someone who lived a quiet life. Yeah. I brought the dog up. I came down. I told my boyfriend, like, the smell that we've been smelling for days is coming from Miss Butterfield's window. I had then came back down, went to her window, and said, Miss Butterfield, Miss Butterfield, are you okay? No response. No nothing. Um... And so then, of course, she reported that to the police who found her dead in her apartment building. Oh, Miss um, Butterfield. Yeah, really, really sad. She was 63 years old. She lived alone at her in her apartment. Um, yeah, it, it looks like detectives, I don't know if they've maybe been able to kind of piece together her last couple of hours, days leading up to the event. They said, we are satisfied There is a, this is a homicide. There's no doubt about that. Um, and the cause of death has not been released to the public. So anyone with information about the death of Geraldine Butterfield, 63 years old, out of Windsor, Ontario, is asked to contact Windsor Police Service at 1519-255-6700, extension 4830, or Crime Stoppers anonymously at 519-258-8477 or online at www.catchcrooks.com. Um, but yeah, so that would that have been so sad. May 28th, 2019. She was found at around 7.30 p.m. Super sad. That is sad. so sad. I know. Just like a little lady living by herself. Probably like knitting. I also have one other thing I forgot I wanted to talk about at the beginning. Okay. Have you heard of Hugo the dog in Richmond? No. So there's this yellow lab, and the police and the SPCA were getting all these calls that this dog was being mistreated and blah, blah, blah. So they immediately, of course, like the SPCA investigated it, the police went out there, and they don't know who is reporting this dog, but apparently they've gone out and they're like, this dog is like perfectly fine. Like <laughs> happy, healthy, yellow lab. It's a yellow lab. Like it's like, hi. Right. And, but the harassment of the owner won't stop. So now they're like, does someone have like a vendetta against this person? And they're using their dog as the complaint. And apparently this person is just like relentlessly being harassed even though the police and the SPCA have literally gone on the news and been like, guys, Hugo's fine. What Hugo is living the life. And like, honestly, there are dogs who are, who are not fine who need to be called in and reported. So we can, we put our energy there. Like, just do the right thing, people. 
Yeah. Put aside your hate for someone to harass them and their dog. And yes, report a pets and animals that are actually being abused. Yeah, or that's mistreated what I mean. Or and like that we could put our it. resources where they actually 100%. need it. Yeah. Like wild birds that you take to wild art. Yeah. Which reminds me, I have to email and get an update on my bird. I'm worried he didn't make it because I haven't heard yet. Oh. Oh, yeah. The the last thing about Geraldine's case, I know I mentioned yeah. it, but there is a $5,000 reward for information. Um, so, yeah. And, yeah, like you said, anybody, even if you saw someone with her entering her apartment, anything. Like anything was weird. Yeah. Anything at all. For yeah. someone who, well, kind of like Olivia and I, given the chance, would sit at home all the time. <laughs> if they suddenly have company... What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I had company. I had some family members come and see my place yesterday. My neighbors were probably all like, what's going on Is over she there? okay? She's got, a, she's got a car in her guest parking spot. <laughs> what? What's happening oh over God, there? This lady actually has friends. Oh, man. Yeah, well, I was just, I'm just think... perusing these articles, but I don't see any more information about... I do feel really bad. It sounds like her neighbor actually ended up going in the apartment and finding her, oh, like, no. in her bed. And, yeah, super, super, super sad. But um, that is good to mention. If you're younger, keep track of your older neighbors, especially right? in this heat. This heat is a killer for elderly people, and they won't even notice how hard it is on their body. Mm-hmm. Check in on them. Say hi. Make sure they don't need anything, like... Yeah. If you have a if you're in an apartment or a condo and you have a very elderly neighbor, spend the extra 2 seconds to say hi to them. Get to know a little bit about them. Absolutely. They might live completely alone and you know what? You might be this person where you'll notice if they aren't home or that you don't see them mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. So, yeah, spend a little extra time with your elderly neighbors. I like to help mine. They're lovely. Es- especially in this kind of horrifying rental housing crisis that we have going on i feel like it's really common to see seniors moving into apartment buildings suites where there might be a house with like multiple suites kind of thing yeah um i see a lot of that on aside i see a lot of that on facebook especially during like snow season where people are saying like you know does anybody have a a shovel or whatever i need to try and help my elder elderly neighbor shovel their car out things like that so yeah look out for your people just like do one thing a day that's not for you yeah absolutely just do that it's like a reminder for all a of day, us be like just do something that doesn't benefit yourself yeah i'm gonna start doing that because i'm sure i don't <laughs> i don't think i do either i think i try to and i think i do here and there I have but great i think intentions. i can make more of an effort we all get caught up in our own self yeah, we all get caught up in our own selves, so it's a good reminder totally. to, yeah. All right. Well, well this has I'm been a slice. Go now. We're both going to go back to our nine to fives now. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. I have some fun, not fun, but I have something different coming for you over the next couple Very of different. weeks. Um, it's, you know, two, three-parter. We're going to have some some fun, if you will, do some learning, so stay tuned for that. Um, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. I'll call you soon. Okay. <gasps> okay. Bye. 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 How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me.